Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this week's message. My name's Aaron, and I'm on the staff team here at Eastlake. Everything we do around here depends on the generous donations of our local and online community. People just like you, who tune into these messages and see great benefit from living that idea that life is a gift and love is the point. So if you love what Eastlake is up to, we'd encourage you to contribute by going to eastlakecc.com. With that, let's jump into this week's message. Today, we hear from Jamal Rahman as he begins our new series, Beauty and Wisdom. Please check the description for links to our quarterly Spotify playlist and guided meditation. My dear friends, it's great joy and pleasure for me to be here today. Uh, I'll be talking about uh, the wisdom and beauty of Islam. I've got some notes on my right-hand side and uh, I've got my uh, watch here, so I'm perfectly balanced. You know, I wanted to say that sometimes when I go and speak about the uh, spirituality of Islam, uh, some people, of course, are very skeptical. Uh, and often uh, there are some disruptions of people who will shout out, you know, that there is no spirituality in Islam. It's a violent religion, this and that. And sometimes when it gets out of hand, uh, someone from the audience who I don't know, uh, sometimes has been an middle-aged African-American woman who will stand up and say, you know, I'm a devout Christian, but I want to tell you that both the Bible, the scriptures, and the church has been used in the past to advocate and justify slavery, apartheid, until recently segregation, the Ku Klux Klan, they claim to be Christian. The point here is that we cannot judge a religion by the behavior of some people. This is a big mistake. Of course, there are extremists in Islam. But the problems we're seeing today is really, it's a conflict over uh, money and power. So today, let us put that aside. And let me start just by saying that there's a lot of spirituality in Islam, and I'd love to share that with you. And I'll go with the pattern of a template, uh, three principles, five pillars, and glean some insights and practices that have benefited me and that are universal, could also benefit you. A quick word about Sufism. What is Sufism? Uh, Sufism is not a denomination. It is simply a heartfelt aspiration to live the spirit of the tradition of Islam. I repeat, it's simply a heartfelt aspiration. It's the spiritual heart of Islam. Okay, so the very uh, first point I want to make is the word Islam means to surrender in peace. The question is, what are you surrendering? You're surrendering your attachment to your ego. Rather than the ego being the center of your life, uh, you want divinity. Call it Christ light, Buddha nature, uh, Elohim light, uh, Krishna light. You want God to be in the center of your life. 
And the truth is, we don't volunteer for such work because it's very inconvenient. Until something happens and we want to become a seeker. We move what the Muslims would say from a knowledge of the tongue to a knowledge of the heart. We suddenly realize, I want to get out of this hypnotic trance. I want my life to have meaning. I want to make a difference. I want to feel fulfilled. I become a seeker. So the question now is, what is it that made you a seeker? Uh, several times I've, I've said in my talks uh, at this particular uh, church, this beautiful community, that it was a death of my parents, my mother and father. My mother died tragically. Then my father was so heartbroken in 20 days, he died. And that woke me up. I became a seeker. And, and the poetry I love the best is one by Hafiz, which I feel resonates, splashes in my heart. Something missing in my heart tonight has made my eyes so soft, my voice so tender, my need for God absolutely clear. So, what is it in your life, on the timeline of your life, that made you a seeker? It could be a meeting with a teacher or several teachers. There's a saying in Islam, the true teacher kindles the light. The oil is already in the lamp. Maybe you had such a teacher and that changed your life, made you a seeker. It could be a question. For the Buddha, it was a question of this great puzzle. Why would a mother want to give birth to a child who would grow old, become sick, and then die? Why? This question pierced his heart, and by reflecting on it, he became a seeker. It could be uh, something you read. Like Gandhi read that verse, Truth is God. And by taking that deep inside of him, it opens something up in him. I love that one verse by Rumi who says, sell your cleverness and buy bewilderment. So something happens. What was it in the timeline of your life? Those are holy moments where you want to make divinity and not the ego the center of your life. Those are important moments. I love the poetry where you realize, you know, where will you find a customer like God who pays in gold? Who, Jamal, buys your counterfeit coins? Who buys your dirty, shabby bag of goods and in return gives a spiritual spring so delicious that even sugar is jealous of its sweetness. Okay, the second point on the template of uh, three principles is faith. We all need faith. The Quran says a, a trustworthy handhold, the rope of God. And the Quran says faith cannot be based on hearsay. 
You've got to go deeper. You've got to explore. Make mistakes. Learn from mistakes. And then something has to arise from within. That's a third stage. So for me, if I think about it, uh, for me, I believe my faith in something higher than human personality, uh, greater than any human institution, was by being in nature and reading poetry about nature, actually. The Quran is filled with verses on nature. There's signs of God in nature. The Sufis say there is no holy book as holy as a manuscript of nature. There is nothing that you want to learn from your life that you cannot learn by observing and by being present in nature. So I, in fact, I, I read this verse by this Christian writer who said, Oh, sister almond tree, tell me about God. And the almond tree blossomed. And that blossomed something in my heart. I love the other saying by the Zen Buddhist, sitting quietly, sitting quietly, doing nothing, Spring comes and the grass grows. About love, I love that poetry by the Islamic mystic Hafiz who says, the earth would die if the sun stopped kissing her. But even after all this time, the sun never tells the earth, hey, you owe me. Look what happens with the love like that. It lights up the entire sky. That made me understand uh, in a heartfelt way the meaning of unconditional love. Or something by Rumi who said, grass agrees to die and rise up again so you can receive a little of the animal's enthusiasm. So some of my other favorite uh, verses, understanding by looking at nature, you know, I love to talk about diversity in every aspect of one's life. The branches of a tree, they sway differently in the wind, but they're all connected at the roots. I talk about the need to get over this religious, persistent, claim of exclusivity. My religion is superior to yours. Nature provides a beautiful metaphor. All the rivers of the, all the rivers, they flow into the ocean. Jamal, you might be following one river, but please don't mistake the river for the ocean. So yes, that is what has, for me, built my faith in an intelligence, higher intelligence, and about learning about life. What was it for you that built your faith? The third point in the template in the three principles is something called Ihsan, that we are here on earth to really evolve into the fullness of our being, to become more fully human, more Christ-like, Buddha-like, Elohim-like, Allah-like, Krishna-like. It's a lot of work. But this is what is going to give us fulfillment, contentment in life. 
we have to go beyond our ego or transform the ego, awaken to our divine spark. We have to open up the heart. So before I talk a little bit about that, it's very critical in Sufism to talk about one divine attribute, compassion. In all my classes, ever since uh, I started my ministry, in all my lectures, I, any opportunity I have, I talk about the, the power, the majesty, the beauty of compassion, mercy, gentleness. So I'll repeat it here again. Uh, using the metaphor of water, there is nothing as soft and yielding as water is, yet for overcoming the hardest, the most insurmountable, there's nothing as powerful as water is, meaning the person who is gentle, merciful, compassionate, is filled with authentic strength. And then wherever water falls, life flourishes. Compassion is life-giving, life-affirming, life-bestowing. So this is one divine attribute in Sufism, in Islamic mysticism, that a student or a seeker is asked to really fully understand and take to heart because without compassion, particularly for oneself, one can never really transform the ego or open up the heart. You know, the Quran says there are three stages in over overcoming or going beyond your ego, which, by the way, we always need. You can never destroy the ego, but you can transform it. You can go beyond it. Rumi says it's like in those days to find your way in the dark, you use the flame of a candle to find your way. But once you come in the land of the radiant sun, that flame is still there, but it's subsumed by the radiance of the sun. You take a cloth, put it to the flame, it'll burn. But it's subsumed in that sense. So the first stage is to become aware that our ego can tend to make us go into wrongdoing. So can I, through compassionate self-witnessing, observing myself at all time compassionately through mindfulness, self-awareness, gently transform my ego from a commanding master into a personal assistant. That's stage one. everyone, excuse the interruption for a quick minute. Uh, my name is Kristen. I'm one of the team members here at Eastlake, and we're so glad that you're joining us today on the podcast. Um, it's been so encouraging for us to hear stories from people all over the country and the world who are listening to these messages and resonating with this idea that we um, just keep saying over and over again, which is life is a gift and love is the point, and that we are all committed to being a beneficial presence in our own community. So thanks for joining us. I hope that that's resonating with you. Um, it's just really fun for us. So wanted to also say thank you to those of you who contribute this place. All of these things that we do are happening because of people who make consistent, um, even just small consistent gifts 
Um, it helps us plan. It helps us know that there are really people behind us who want this thing to continue. So thank you to those of you who do that. If you haven't had a chance to give yet, I would encourage you to maybe think about doing that if you find this beneficial in your own life. Um, to make a contribution, it's really easy. You can go to eastlakecc.com and there's a donate button there with all the info. So thanks so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the message. Stage two is get engaged in the bazaar of life, meaning participate fully in the experiences of life. Getting married, having uh, children, uh, transacting in the market, having mother-in-law, father-in-law problems, uh, all kinds of situations, learning from them. You make mistakes, you learn from them. I repeat, you make mistakes, you learn and you grow from them. There's a, there's a poetry by Rumi I love very much who says, Wanderer, worshipper, lover of learning, lover of leaving. Even if you have broken your vows a thousand times, come and come again. No matter who you are, come and come again. Ours is a caravan of joy, not of despair. The third stage is, having done the two stages, you begin to align your personality, which is nothing more than a bundle of conditioned reactions, to your higher self. The Rumi verse is, marry your soul, that wedding is the way. About the heart, to open the heart, uh, I, I love the poetry where Rumi says, Oh, please open the window of your heart. The moon will kiss you only through the window. So the Quran says when we are doing wrongdoings, it creates a rust on the heart. And we have to polish that rust. Again, the poetry is, Jamal, if you get irritated by every rub, how will the mirror of your heart ever be polished? So how about a technique? The technique I like the best is make a commitment that from right now, I shall continuously be self-witnessing myself. I always carry a piece of paper in the back of my pocket. In the course of the day, when I realize I've become overly angry, jealous, sad, I write them down. Also, when I become aware that I've been blessed with a divine attribute. I spoke the truth, even though it was inconvenient. I truly help someone from the sincerity of my heart. I write that down also. In the evening, I look at both columns, I become aware, and I express gratitude to God for making me aware of my negative attributes that gets diminished by my light of awareness. I look at the beautiful divine qualities, like the light shining on a plant, the, these divine qualities flourish, and I make a prayer, oh God, may they flourish. And I might come up with some rituals. Every month I write down my negative qualities I have become aware of, and I burn them, and I make a prayer. This is purifying them. As far as the, great, the divine qualities, I make a prayer, oh God, thank you so much, and may these divine qualities grow in me. Okay, so we have to purify ourselves. 
Okay, let me move a little bit more quickly. Uh, the five pillars. The first one is the insight about this great mystery. Call it God. Everybody wants to, well, everybody, a lot of people, a lot of us want to find out how can we connect, feel a closeness to spirit, uh, to Christ, uh, to Buddha, to Krishna, to Allah, to Elohim. There's so many verses in the Quran about Allah. Uh, today I've just chosen one, uh, which it says in the Quran that God says, we are closer to you than your jugular vein. And I love this story of this 8th century beloved Saint Rabia, who was from Iraq, and she was passing by and she heard this very famous master telling the students, you know, God is so compassionate. If you keep knocking on God's door, out of compassion, God will one day open the door. And Rabia said, O Sufi master, when was the door ever closed? And the master arose and bowed to her. God is closer to us than our jugular vein. So, if that is so, the Sufis say it is wonderful to connect with God by having conversations, all kinds of conversation, meaning to express your sadness, your anger, your pain. I've had so many friends whose lives have been savaged by terrible consequences, murder, incest. Where was God? So when they did this technique of talking to God from the depths of their heart, expressing their fury, their deep anguish, something happened. They felt a closeness to God. So this is one great practice I'd like to share. Please have conversations with God as if you're talking to your most intimate beloved. I love this wonderful saying, a Bedouin was asked, do you believe in God? And he said, the God who sent me so much of sorrow, pain, afflictions, poverty, illnesses, it made me wander from country to country. But as he spoke, he entered into a state of ecstasy. How else can we connect with God? You know, I love that wonderful saying uh, in Islam, a revelation that came to the Prophet Muhammad. God says, beloved one, I cannot be contained in the space of the earth. I cannot be contained in the space of the heavens, but I can be contained in the space of the pure, loving heart. So God is outside of me and inside of me. So for me, my most favorite practice is I touch my heart, knowing that God's spirit is in the innermost chambers of my heart. And I say from time to time, unabashedly, I love you. I really love you. I'm not shy about it at all. And I feel a deep, sweet, exquisite, intimate connection, which has developed over the years. And then also, 
God is outside of me. It's a, it's a wonderful practice for me to send out light and love to all of God's creation. Stones, plants, trees, flowers, human beings, people I don't like. I remind myself, it's okay for, for me to send them light and love because within them is a divine spark. I'm not sending it to their personality, but to their Christ nature, sacred nature. Anyhow, sending out light and love as often as possible. The, ne the other part of this is, uh, in this template of five pillars, is practicing silence to connect with the inconceivable, indescribable, unutterable. And what is silence? Silence is not the absence of sound. It is the absence of the little self. That's what Islamic mystics say. Silence is the language of God. Everything else is a poor translation. So, as often as possible, may we practice pure, deep silence regularly. Be silent so that the Lord who gave you language may speak. For as he fashioned a door and a lock, he also made a key. Okay, the next point is prayers. One, one point the Quran makes is that can you do your prayers with its supplication or silence, praising God, thanking God, knowing that when we praise God, God doesn't become holy, we become holy. Can we do it sometimes? The Quran says, in the small watches of the morning, people are asleep. The veils between us and the invisible world, as the Irish say, is very thin. No one knows what makes a soul wake up so happy. Just maybe a dawn breeze has blown away the veil from the face of God. This is Rumi. Also, when you make a, a prayer, do it with what Sufis call increased necessity for yourself or for others, meaning from the core of your being, depth of your heart. Islamic mystics say, have you not noticed that only when a child is born does the mother's chest become filled with milk? Because there is an increased necessity. Oh God, I shall cry to thee and cry to thee until the milk of thy loving kindness boils over. A third thing about prayer is uh, something I do quite often, uh, very favored by the Islamic mystics. Can you make every ordinary activity a blessed, sacred activity? When I go to sleep, I take my clothes off. I can say I'm taking off the layers of my ego. 
in the morning when I put my clothes back on, may these layers of clothing be a mantle of divine protection. Taking a shower, may these waters purify all my impurities. Driving a car, oh God, please always steer me in the rightful direction. You can be creative, make everything a sacred prayer. Of course, what Muslim mystics like to do very often, as in other traditions, repeating a sacred mantra, Allah, 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 La ilaha illallah, any sacred word or verse, if you say it again and again in your meditation and also in your waking hours, has a very deep effect. I love that verse from Islamic poetry that says, Oh God, I repeated this verse so often, I remembered you so much, God, that little by little you arrived and little by little I departed. Okay, take that to heart, my friends. How can you connect through your form of prayer? Next one is to connect with mystery through service. To always be of service. I, I want to mention this one story my mother told me that, you know, this is a world of opposites, the Quran says. So in Islamic mythology, before unborn humanity came down on earth, God took everyone, all of unborn humanity, to a huge cosmic tree. And on the limbs of the trees, on the branches, were packages of different sizes. And God said, in this world of opposites, each one of you, before you descend on earth, you've got to take one of those different sized packages of suffering. The nobler souls among us, they chose the larger packages so we would suffer less. The point of this is when somebody is suffering immensely, there's no need to ask, you know, why is this happening to this person? What's the karma? What's this? That, no, just be of service with gratitude in your heart. That's why I love those words. Be a lamp, be a lifeboat, be a ladder to others. I love the saying of Prophet Muhammad who said, do good deeds according to your capacity. God never tires of giving rewards unless you tire of doing good deeds. The good deeds most loved by God are the ones that are done regularly, no matter how small they are. What are some deeds I could be doing, you could be doing regularly? Next point on the five pillars is Gratitude. I know you know a lot about that. I practice gratitude all the time, and I say it because for me that's my overarching practice. As often as possible, touching my heart, and for little things, medium things, big things, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Prophet Muhammad said metaphorically, he was talking about a bird. He says, Have you noticed a bird? When it sips water, 
it tilts its neck backwards, not only for the water to flow down, but for praise to flow heavenward. Why does gratitude work? No one really knows, but it's a beautiful practice. The Quran says, everything which exists in the heavens and the earth extols the limitless glory of God. So I feel when we are expressing gratitude, we are connecting to a cosmic chorus, and this uplifts us, exalts us. The last point, I'm looking at the time here, is community. We all desperately need community. I love those words, a wall standing alone is useless, add to it other walls, it can support a roof, even a granary. Only when ink joins with a pen can the blank paper say something. I personally, I love community because in this community, uh, I can laugh a lot. And by the way, there are some gateways to community. The first gateway is love. Who is in your life you love and who loves you? Number two, there is trust among members of your community, of this sacred circle. So you can be vulnerable, because without vulnerability, there is no real community. And the last one is, common to all religions, is a love of truth. So who is it in your life you love and loves you? Who you really trust? And who loves the truth? I love to get together with family members and friends over beverages, over food, and just connect on a heart level. It is as if I feel I'm warming, warming my hands at the central fire of life on a wintry day, metaphorically speaking. And I get together with my friends, of course, much less these days over Zoom now, and just laugh and laugh. You know, we're getting old, uh, so the, we, you know, we, we make laughter about, you know, my eyes are beginning to fail me. It's because... It's crying so much, being separated from spirit. My back is feeling sore, it's a little bit more bent because of the burden of being separated. We laugh about it. I love this insight, which I repeat all the time, the great mystics have said, that you know, when you do die and go over to the other side, you look back at your life, all the dramas and melodramas, and you will laugh and laugh and laugh, but why wait? Why not laugh right now? I love the other insight about death. Here we are so scared to go into non-existence, but if the truth be known, non-existence is trembling in fear it might be given human shape. So yes, please create a sacred circle which passes those three gateways. That's critical for all of us. And also, the last point I want to make is, uh, no matter what your circle is, always interact with others. Connect with others who is different, who are different from you. That is what makes diversity, whether it's culture, religion, race, so enriching, ennobling the willingness and the ability 
to interact with the other. So I have made it a lifelong practice that I and my small circle, I interact with those who are different. I share three cups of tea. Listen, respect, connect. Listen. This is what will bring peace. I love the uh, metaphorical explanation. Listening is like putting your head on the person's chest and sinking into the answer. An enemy is someone I have not listened to. Respect. I might be against that person's behavior, but that person's being is sacred. It's Christ's nature. Just keeping this distinction in my mind and heart as I connect, as I take the right action, has the power to shift heaven and earth and connect on a human level. This universe is made out of stories, not atoms. Listen, respect, connect. And I make this point with some conviction and some emphasis because this is what will create peace. Ruby says, please come out of the circle of time and enter the circle of love. Maybe create circles of love that interact and share three cups of tea with the other. These grassroots circles of love is what, is what will bring joy, love, compassion, and peace on this planet. So my dear friends, I want to end with that. May you please always come out of the circle of time and enter the circle of love. Keep well, keep safe, and please know you are blessed. Thank you so much. Blessings to you. Thank you for joining us. To make a donation, head to eastlakecc.com slash donate.